All right, folks, we are back for another episode of the Inclusion Solution Live. And in this mini series, we are connecting with folks and just understanding how they are navigating this global pandemic. I'm excited because we have Ryan here. Ryan's a friend of the Winners Group. If y'all follow us on the Inclusion Solution blog, you already know that Ryan is a friend and a contributor, but Ryan is also a father, an advocate, um, a change agent, an educator, and of course, um, an everyday person living during this global pandemic. Ryan, I am excited that you are here joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, we're going to jump right in. Um, as I shared, this is meant to just be a conversation for our listeners, all y'all out there to understand the range of impact this moment in time has had on people of different backgrounds. Um, Ryan, I shared the cliff notes as it relates to sort of who you are, but I know it, I know you perhaps have even more to share. So I'm going to turn it over to you and just ask, um, you, who are you and um, what aspects of your identity have really influenced your experience during this time? Um, so first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I absolutely love the winners group. I, I, I talk about it all the time and mm-hmm. uh, talk about how you guys are really giving, you know, the everyday person like myself the opportunity to to be on, on a platform and to be on a stage, right? So thank you guys for that. Um, this time has been been interesting, right? So, so the question you asked of of my identity and how I how I am during these times um, has kind of shifted. Uh, recently, my father passed away, and I I realized in his passing that as much of myself that I thought I knew and that I thought I was solidified in that I thought this is who I am and how I showed up, I realized in his passing that all of that was rooted in him. Mm -hmm. And with him no longer being here, uh, when I first saw that that particular question, it was interesting because I'm in this space right now where I really don't know who I am. You know, Mm -hmm. I I know the things that I do. I'm an educator, right? Um, I'm a father. Right, I I I claim to try to claim, try to claim to be an activist in certain mm-hmm. realms and certain spaces, but I don't know who I am as an educator, right? Who I am as a father, right? Is are those are those ideals and those beliefs, those practices, are they really my own, or were they solely tied up in what I thought I had to be? to mirror who my father was, right? So, you know, right now, if I, if I had to describe who I was, I, I would I would say a blank canvas. I really am a blank canvas right now, mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out, you know, how I show up in these certain moments. You know, I know what I do, right? I, I, I know what I do for work. I know what I do in my spare time. I know I, I absolutely love and enjoy being a father, but who I am in those moments, I'm now, you know, at 31 years old, really figuring out for myself what that really means for me. And um, and and, and Ryan, thank you for um, even 
just feeling comfortable sharing with us um, about your dad and obviously what has been a journey. I imagine just like, um, you know, grieving and like fatherhood and even just, you know, being someone who cares as an activist, activist and advocate, this space and time, like, as uh, another level of just like nuance and complexity sure. to that. Sure. Um, and so I just wonder like what it's been like, um, just like what it's been like for you, um, whether it's relating to like the grieving process, whether it's relating to just like being a being a father, um, a co-parenting father at that. Right. Yeah, so um, it, it was interesting. So, you know, right now you can't, we can't do funerals, right? So my father passed away um one of the first things that that i thought about was like man what are we gonna do you know you can't have a funeral which which honestly is probably what my father wanted my father was a very private man um mm -hmm. i had somebody ask me uh so so the naacp he was active in the naacp and they did a uh um, cruise a memorial cruise for him so you know essentially what you do when you leave the uh funeral service and you do the processional over to the gravesite. um the naacp organized something like that for him where we went from the school that he started at in the district to the school he retired from in the district and then had yeah. like a outside drive up memorial service. And so somebody asked me, you know, they said, do you think your father would have wanted that to happen? I'm like, no, absolutely not. They said, what do you mean? I said, look, my dad was a private person and he waited until COVID-19 to pass away. If that mm -hmm. wasn't a clear sign to us that <laughs> he didn't want any kind of memorial service, right? But, you know, just, just joking. So that's kind of how I've been handling the grieving process, right? It's finding moments to laugh is, uh, uh, you know, I've spent uh, a lot more time with my mother, with my brother, with my sister, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and, and just, you know, making sure that that those particular relationships that I still have while they're here, um, you know, I definitely do everything I can to um, take advantage of them and then being reflective. Right. So I, I was I was from Roanoke, Virginia, but I was in Richmond. Right. Uh, I went to Virginia Union in 2006, and I stayed in the Richmond area until 2017. And when I went home uh, for a lot of that time there, I was like, man, I need to get back to Richmond. You know, have I failed? I ended up back home, you know, all of those things. Even though I had a good job, right, I was making decent money. Um, you know, my kids were healthy the whole nine, and I felt like I failed, but it's now in, in, in these reflective moments, it's 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 good to see how things line up for you, right? Because my father ended up going from being okay to dead, right? In a, in a span of three years. And me moving back home gave me the opportunity to really be able to spend time with him. And the night before he passed, uh, I had the opportunity to go to the nursing home and spend the night with him. And so... You know, I, for me, the grieving process has been hasn't been as difficult as I thought it would be, um, because you know I kind of I kind of accepted my dad had been sick for maybe about a year now, and I kind of got a chance to spend time with him and then being home and um, everybody who's been you know showing love and and, and and outpouring of support from people who who we worked with 30, 40 years ago. Hearing mm -hmm. those stories has been great. Family, um, you know, a lot of times people say that they that you know we hate that we only get together at funerals right and i used to be somebody who said that and in my dad passing 
I've completely done a 360 on that statement, right? Because when you look at matriarchs and patriarchs of your family, they're, what they did was bring your family together. Mm-hmm. And so for me, even it's, it's good to see that even in passing, they're still able to do that. They're still able to bring family, friends, community. They're still able to kind of have that spirit about them that rallies everybody together. And, you know, so it's, it's been great. Uh, um, um, had a, you know, had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with family. And, um, now the difficult part, of, the difficult part about it was being is, is, you know, my kids don't live with me. Right. So, um, you know, I'm a co-parent. My daughter is in Virginia. I'm in Virginia, but she's about four hours from me. And my son is all the way in, in Brooklyn, right in Brooklyn, New York. So, mm-hmm. um, my daughter actually got a chance to come down for the memorial service, but my son didn't. Right. Um, just with everything with the COVID-19 going yeah. on in New York being so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it being hit so heavy up there. So that's kind of been difficult, right? That's kind of been difficult to not, I, I haven't physically seen my son in two months, mm-hmm. maybe two months. And so I went from seeing him every month to, you know, the last two, two and a half months. I haven't seen him at all physically. He hasn't physically been with me at all. So um, and so to not for him not to be able to be here for the last couple of days of my of my dad living and you know um, at four years old yeah we FaceTime with my dad but he doesn't right. really you know that being able to have that that physical personal interaction um, you know so that's been kind of difficult uh, uh, um, you know to kind of move and navigate through that piece of it but um, you know like, like I said I've I've, I've been pleasantly surprised um, uh, with how the grieving process has been for me so far, right? Um, and I think it's, it's, it's tied to the fact that um, I think my father still was able to do what he always has done, right? Do, mm-hmm. Even in his passing, he was still able to, you know, have people out there smile and have people come mm-hmm. together, right? Have people encouraging each other, right? Have people showing positive energy, affirming each other, all of those things were still happening even around his passing. And it's still happening now, right? It's still happening now, even, you know, two, three weeks after he's no longer with us, you know, we're still receiving love and support and and, and calls and texts and all of those things. So it's been in the midst of the COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, it's still been a reason to, to be thankful, right? Um. One of the things you mentioned earlier was, um, you know, the uh, your your role as an educator and um, an advocate, and I certainly can't have you on here without necess- without bringing up a post that you wrote for us um, a little while <laughs> a little while ago, folks. Post that got me in trouble, <laughs> a lot of trouble. Really. Is it is it is it, is it off limits, Ryan? No. If y'all, if y'all if y'all want to if y'all want if y'all need some context, listening, <clears throat> Ryan, um, head over to the blog. Ryan wrote for the Inclusion Solution a few uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and he talked about the global pandemic in education, specifically as it relates to how Black students experience the education system at large. And um, so it's actually something that we have been sharing with. Uh, we have clients, education clients, and I actually have a session tomorrow on race and color and education. 
we've been sharing that as a resource for people to refer to. Um, and you blush. <laughs> um, so in the context of now, right? Because I think Virginia, y'all shut down. Did y'all shut down schools altogether, Completely. or y'all doing distance Completely. learning? No, Completely. Sure. Well, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, we got distance learning, but the okay, so y'all shut down. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. So, so y'all still maintaining um, sort of distance learning. Um, and so I just wonder what your thoughts are. Just kind of like as an educator, as someone who is committed to centering Blackness, which I think is necessary in this space and time, especially as we just like learn more and more about how this pandemic has, has uncovered many inequities um, in our system. And so um, I just wonder like your thoughts on just like the state of State of education, state of being black in education, right, state right. of like just sort of where we are and right. what that means in the context of um progress and then just your work. One thing I didn't mention, y'all, and y'all see in his and then we'll drop this in the 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 notes too, is um that Ryan is an educator but also um a consultant. So interested in your thoughts around just like race in this moment yeah. time yeah um so the the post that you're referencing uh uh and and, and to start off anything you want to ask is, is completely on limits right it's <laughs> fair game i don't i don't mind answering right uh, folks are going to want to read this post now like wait what are you saying yeah the way in which uh the way in which i delivered it to you guys was the for lack of a better term, watered down version of of the post. The first one I had, I had a person who I respect very much say, "If you put this out, you're gonna get fired. No okay. questions asked about it." So the one I ended up putting out was one that was more uh, still still edgy, right? Still edgy, but maybe provided an opportunity for people to actually digest it and 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 read it, right? Um, but I'm, I, so the state of education right now, to me, uh, specifically talking about black and brown students, right, is no different than what it's been for 10, 20, 30, 40, mm -hmm. 50 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and what led to my post that I wrote was I, I made a statement on Facebook that said um, when schools shut down, uh, I, I pretty much was, was saying that, hey, even though schools are shut down, let's be honest and not act like schools for black and brown kids were good anyway. Mm -hmm. They may be better off at home, right? Mm -hmm. They may be better off at home with people who love them, who care about them, who uh, who are gonna pour into their lives, right? And that's not to say that certain teachers that they have don't, but the reality of the matter is if you're a white teacher from the suburbs, you can't, as you mentioned, center blackness in a way for this for this black student from the inner city, right? Or for a black student in general, wherever they're from, right? You can't really do that. And we're seeing it play out in this pandemic as well when, you know, you look at the numbers of, um, so one of the things that, that I, I, was, I was a special education teacher. And so one of the things that I see, um, the data, the statistics, the articles that I read is how special education students as a whole are suffering during this pandemic mm -hmm. right 
Well, one thing we know about special education is the disproportionate number of black and brown students who are in special education. So if special education is suffering as a whole, disproportionately black and brown students are suffering due to special education. We talk about poverty, right? Food deserts where, you know, we understand that many of our students come to school and the only meals that they get, breakfast and lunch, um, come from the school, right? Uh, which is a, 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 a symptom of a larger problem, right? But they come to school to get that breakfast and their lunch. Disproportionately, poverty affects black and brown students, right? Mm -hmm. So how many, who, who's disproportionately being affected by not being able to go to school during this time, right? Um, and so, and it's all stuff, what was shocking to me, Brittany, honestly, when I put this post up on Facebook originally, nothing I said hadn't already been said. Hadn't already been said, right? Mm -hmm. nothing, I nothing I pointed out hadn't already been pointed out for years. And, and you know, we can get into, I, I talked in, in an article about how, you know, post Brown, post Brown v. Board, the many, uh, how many, uh, we saw how many uh, black principals we lost, black administrators we lost, black teachers we lost, you know, just the, the, the overall effect, not that, not that it's just had on, on the students, but you know, the, the entire educational system as a whole. And I think this is really the time for us to begin to look at our, our alternative models of education, right? Mm -hmm. What does it look like if we really go out here and try to open up our own schools, right? If, if we, and that are funded by us, right? That the curriculum is designed by us. And of course, these are things that can't necessarily, you know, we're not going to be able to educate every black and brown student in the world in our own schools overnight. But I think oftentimes we use that as an excuse to never even begin the process of seeing, you know, how how much of a reality or a possibility that actually is, right? So, you know, I think my 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 easy assessment of what education looks like right now for for students who look like me who look like you who look like my daughter who look like my son who look like your son is it sucks it sucks it's, the the education is is horrible for them right now right the the curriculum is horrible for them the 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 amount of resources that are funneled into a school if you're if you're in a school in the quote unquote hood because of the tax bracket around your schools the amount of resources that are you know, financial resources that are uh, uh, put into your school, even uh, in particular schools where you have a um, a higher rate of, of poverty, that's where we got first year teachers, right? There's no reason I should go into a building. And in this particular building, there are, you know, 92% of the teaching staff are first, second, third year teachers, right? That would never happen in a predominantly white school, it just wouldn't happen. Just wouldn't happen, right? Um, and we're ruining careers. We're ruining careers because you're putting teachers in these predicaments. Um, you're putting teachers in these classrooms who who don't have the classroom management experience. And I went through a teacher education program. The classroom management courses and teacher education programs are useless, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're useless. They give you a bunch of theoretical knowledge and out the book, but until you step foot in a school building, Mm -hmm. You don't know what your classroom management style is, what it's going to look like, you know, different things of that nature. And so we're, we're throwing these teachers into these situations um, that for life experience, they may not be equipped to deal with. Um, or cultural, or just cultural proficiency in general. They just don't right. have the level of cultural competence right. or exposure. Right. To, yeah. 
to be able to, to be able to handle it, right? And I, I've seen, I've had teachers who have come to me and have said to me, uh, who have questioned if they're capable educators. And, you know, I'm, t I'm looking at them and telling them, hey, you know, this has nothing to do with um, whether or not you're a capable educator. You've just been dealt, for lack of a better term, a bad hand, right? Black, white, you, and whatever, whatever the, the, the race nationality of a teacher is, mm -hmm. You just been dealt a bad hand, and and um, administrators we see it with administrators right all the time, where you know you're a black administrator and you're put in a particular school that's that hasn't been the greatest school for six, seven, eight years. You're put over there and you're given a year to try to fix it, right? It's 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 Dick Gregory has a famous line where he, at the end of everything he says he he always says it's a game, right? It's all a game, and and we I feel like we are now starting to come around to how we play the game, right? mm -hmm. what the game looks like, right? Um, you know, what we ask for, what we, what we fight for. And so, uh, so that, that was really what my post was, was, was trying to get at is that, you know, this, this situation here is, is, it's all a game, right? It's all a game yet, you know, and there's nothing that, you know, I don't claim to be the, the thought leader in this regard, right? This is all stuff that I'm just analyzing for myself as an adult now, mm -hmm. and restating, right? Um, uh, trying to keep it, you know, on the top of mind for conversation. And um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I even find myself, especially now that my brother is here, um, more consistently. And so I'm experiencing this like distance learning. Right. I'm experiencing like, um, just like the inequity and just like availability of technology, right, especially right, when they have expectations right. around this distance learning. And so I think this, or no, no, not even think that this pandemic has just exacerbated it all. Um, right. As a matter of fact, your boy, so your boy Dallas Dance, <clears throat> somebody I was reading um, a shout out to him. So for the readers, Dallas Dance is one of the former super, not the readers, listeners, superintendents of where I am, Baltimore right. County. And so it was actually during his time, evidently, that okay. he made sure everybody had. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Time. I did see that. Yeah, I did yeah, see that. Yeah, and so somebody the other day was like, um, pretty much like, just trust black leadership. Like, yeah, because, yeah. because in hindsight, think, so right now, how like, visionary he had to be for that, right? Every the, student, the right? Every right? Student, right? Every student. And so you juxtapose that next to our, um, you know, Baltimore City. Right. You know, we're what, like a month into this and they're still trying to get um, right. computers out to right. students. Right. Some students are using like packets, right? right. And some of the most like impoverished and forgotten areas of the city, right. state even, you know, they're just not, um, they just don't have capacity. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and that has been, I mean, that that has even, I was sharing with somebody that I've always like, like owned my identity of like as like a sister and caretaker, but I swear like in this moment in time that has probably been exacerbated, mainly yeah. because I'm just like frustrated. Right. Like even down to, um, like the emotional. So I think that there is a different skill set required for like leaders and teachers to even like engage with students virtually, like how to right. speak with them via email, right. like nicely in a way where they feel like empowered and not necessarily right. like 
spoken down to because you don't know what's going on at home. You know, like denigrated because they don't understand like how to work, you know, certain technology, even just how to be in this moment. Even the piece of letting you into your home now, like with this virtual learning thing, you know, I may, I may be in a home environment where, so for, I'll give you an example. Um, I, we were getting ready to start doing home visits in, in uh, the district that I work in, right? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a student and I asked her, hey, you know, I, I just, you know, I want to come by and, and visit your home, right? Come talk to your mom, your dad, you know, whoever you live with and just see where you live at. And she said no. And originally I was like, you know, why, why, does, why does she want me to come, come by her house? And uh, I got, I talked to her a little bit more and came to find out that she was actually trying to protect me because she felt like the neighborhood she came from wasn't the best neighborhood and didn't want her teachers to come over there. Right. So, you know, once I, you know, you know, talked to her a little bit more and let her know that, hey, you know, it has nothing to do with your neighborhood. You know, you're not you don't have to be a product of that. Right. I come from some of those same places. Right. Um, and, and, and I don't mind coming to visit you. Um, you know, we, we eventually got to a point to where she was okay with it. But when we, when we talk about distance learning, that's me as a student, me as a parent. So my daughter with distance learning right now has, um, video chats with her teacher Mm. as a parent, as a student, I have to now let you into my space. Like I've never had to before. Right. I now have to. That, and that's a whole different type of feeling that, yeah. you know, that, that, that comes with, it's different, you know, parent, if, I, if I'm a parent, I can come to parent teacher conference. I can show up to the school, you know, um, you can send the work home and I can make sure that it gets done. That's completely different than, Hey, I'm gonna set up this camera in my home and let you into my private personal space. Um, especially from a population, you know, from, from our, from, from us where we're constantly judged and looked down upon and, different things of that nature, right? That's a lot to ask somebody to do to now let you into my home, let you into my space um, in that way, right? So, you know, the, the distance learning, I, I think you have to do it, right? We can't just not educate children, right? Yeah. You have to figure out how you do that, but we have to really uh, take into account all the different ways this thing uh, that that this thing plays out right even for our, our, our workers on the front lines right you know you know the nurses the doctors you know the firefighters police officers all of them their kids right who mm-hmm. who may be at home with them to do distance learning while they have to be out here fighting this thing right when we talk about poverty you know what do you do for that family who has to work two or three jobs right uh, or now is you know how do we talk to the student who comes back uh, whenever school does reopen and, and when they come back to school and they've now had to experience uh, uh, the heartache of a parent being let go or uh, they just spent the last uh, uh, three months with with no lights, right, or, or, or no food or, you know, different things of that nature. You know, have some places that are, you know, trying to suspend the cutting off of utilities and different things of that nature. But I know for a fact that that hasn't reached every single place, right? I know um, families who are experiencing uh, uh, utilities maybe not being there anymore. Even if they're not cutting off utilities, they for sure ain't buying you no food, right? Um, and so, you know, what when these students come back to school, what does that look like, right? Um, for our students who I'm working with somebody now uh, uh, about um, doing some virtual mentoring, because we got kids who 
who, when you come to school, the only person in your life who speaks positively to you is your mentor, who you depend to go to that. You may not go to, you may not depend to go to that school building for food. You may not depend to go to that school building for education. You may depend on that school building because you know the one person in your life who loves you is there. That mentor is there. That mentoring program that you're involved in is there. And now you don't get that daily touch anymore. You don't get that constant interaction anymore, right? So, you know, what does it look like for us to even move to doing some some mentoring virtually and different things of that nature, right? To keep that social emotional bond going. Um, that's actually a, a that's actually a um, a really good point. And I wonder, I don't I don't know from experience, but I wonder what or how like schools are going to address what is going to be like trauma. So whether that trauma is because their basic needs weren't met, whether that trauma was like just dealing with like grief, whether that trauma is coming back to school and noticing a bunch of your teachers may not be there. You know what I mean? Um, or even like, you know, friends. I do wonder like how, it's a lot, like how schools, how teachers, how counselors, I mean, parents, the work around like the social and emotional stuff. Like how do we make sure we're even like holding enough space and developing solutions for that? Um, and so that being said, I wonder like what you, you know, from your perspective, like, what do you want to come from this pandemic? Like, if you had, you know, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in the community, whether it's like what you do in the education space, like, right. what do you want life reimagined to be? Uh, so I, I'll, I'll try to quickly touch each one, right? Um, from an education perspective, what I hope comes out of this is an honest conversation um, from communities of color around what education actually looks like for our children and what we want education to look like for our children, right? I think that um, a lot of us may not even know what we want education to, to look like for our children, right? What what types of things do we want them involved in, right? Do we want them involved in auto mechanic, agriculture education, urban agriculture education, different things of that nature, right? Um, so what does education look like for our children, right? What what do we want that world? If, if I asked parents that question, reimagine out of this pandemic, what would education for your son or your daughter look like, right? Um, and so I think that we have to really now at this time start having that conversation right um, what is education going to look like for us when we get back for our students who are in who are in high trauma situations what does that look like when they get back in these school buildings right um from a from a personal perspective um i hope people are really taking this opportunity to reconnect with family right reconnect with friends people you love right really take this opportunity to to get to know somebody right get to know somebody in a different way that you have never known them before right um really take this opportunity to to just be okay with being still right mm -hmm. to be okay with to be okay with that's that's one of the most difficult things for me right i, I always have to be doing something i have to be here i have to be there you know, I went from working nine to five to 
meetings in the evenings three or four days a week to you know hanging out with friends and then it went to nothing at all right and now i'm just now getting around to being okay with the fact that i may wake up at eight and have nothing to do until three and that's okay that's okay right and i, I don't have to fill that space with um, like I, I see people all the time with the stuff where they say, if you don't come out of, on the other end of this with a business idea, you wasted this time. No, maybe you have a business idea. Maybe, maybe that that heart attack that you were getting ready to have because of the stress levels in your body, you've reduced mm-hmm. that because you've taken time to yourself, right? You've taken time to pour into yourself, right? Um, uh, may, maybe that relationship that was that was strained with a parent right with a with a sibling with a with a child with a grandparent you know maybe that relationship on the other end of this is has been repaired right mm-hmm. um because i i i know now um very much so that that when somebody's gone you never get an opportunity to have another conversation with them again in person right now if you're a spiritual person and you believe that you get the opportunity to have those conversations in a different way but in person you'll never get the opportunity to have those conversations again. So um, I hope that we really begin to commit back to um, just being humans again and building healthy relationships with people, right? Um, uh, Genuine, positive relationships. And uh, as a father, um, I hope that this time produces more resiliency in fathers, right? Um, I hope that this time um, produces new innovative ways for fathers who may not be, who may be in my situation to where your kids Mm -hmm. don't live with you full time to stay actively engaged. I'm getting ready to start doing uh, FaceTime yoga sessions with my daughter, right? You're nice. Um, Yeah, so, you know, so even though I don't get to, you know, she doesn't get to come as much because of this, you know, we can, do yoga on FaceTime. And this is actually something she told me she was doing, right? And I was like, can I do it with you too? She said, yeah, right. Um, and so, uh, you know, finding ways to stay uh, uh, plugged in with my son via, you know, the via technology and the different things that we have. Um, and another thing that I'm getting ready to start doing is I'm getting ready to start writing a weekly letter that I'm going to mail to my kids. Um, mm, okay. Uh, just, you know, tell them how my week was, right? At, you know, ask them how their week was. If they write back, cool. If they don't, cool as well. Right? <laughs> you know, whatever, right? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, and I, I hope that, too, this also is an opportunity. Um, uh, what, what I would like for fathers to start doing their, during this time is is telling those stories, right? Mm. Um, uh, because what I've learned is I, I share a lot of stuff about my journey of fatherhood on Facebook and, I, and you know, Twitter, all these different places. And I've done it more, more so recently. And I was talking to somebody the other day who asked me, you know, do you do that for sympathy? Do you do that for praise? You know, do you do that for any of those reasons? And I was like, you know, the, the, the main reason, the only reason why I do it, I can care less about the praise or the sympathy if something's going wrong, any of that, is I had a conversation with a, with a gentleman who got hooked up to me through a mutual friend. He was going through a, a very, very difficult time. And as much as we encourage black men to go seek, you know, mental health counseling services and all that, I'm, I'm black men go do that, right? The reality of the matter is, we don't, we don't do it. We don't do it for whatever the reasons may be. We don't do it. And if we didn't have that mutual friend, 
he would have never been able to have this conversation with me that, that he said mm -hmm. he needed at that time. And so whatever your story may be as a father, I want, I, I want people to share those, those publicly because you may have somebody who's going through something who just so happens to scroll by your newsfeed, read what you're going through and say, okay, I'm not alone in this or be encouraged that they can get to this particular place. Right. Um, um, and, and, and just have the opportunity to keep growing. So, um, that's what I would like to come out of these pandemic in those areas, right? It's just a recommitment. And I think all of those things is you as an individual recommitting to yourself, mm -hmm. recommitting to the things that you hold true to yourself, to the things that you, uh, uh, uh feel identify you as a person, um, identify you as the, you know, in, in the spaces that you show up, uh, and really embracing those things, right? And not running from those things. Um, I have, I have another question and, um, just like for the folks who, you know, as we well know, for different reasons, like will or have experienced like grief in this moment in time. And so I know you shared a little bit at the top about how you've been able to like find or identify like the silver lining and opportunities to reflect and experience joy and like memories and who your father was. And I also wonder if you have anything else you may share for people who are or will find themselves experiencing grief during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Embrace it, embrace it fully, right? Um, and and embracing it, embracing it may look a little different for everybody, right? But what I mean by embrace it is 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 embrace the fact that it's happened. I think that. You know, you have to, to 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 accept the fact that this tragedy has happened, right? Um, or I hate to call it a tragedy, but um, you know that that this particular situation has happened, right? Whatever it may be, somebody passing, um, uh, you may be being laid off from a job, um, whatever it is, really embracing the fact that it's happened because. You know, and I think this was everything until you really embrace it, you can't move, you can't move past it. Right. You can't, you can't begin to. To heal and, 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 and move to the next phase of. Of what life has, and I think that. I think we look at life to me the wrong way, right? I, I, I think that we look at life from from this from this lens of what am I doing? while I'm here for the moments of while I'm here. And I don't think, I don't think that's true anymore, especially with my father just passing away and seeing and, and hearing all of the stories and, and all of the memories being shared. I think we, what we do in life right now is, is for those moments when we're no longer here. So those people can have comfort in those stories, in those memories. And so, I think that you have to, if, 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 if you're, the tragedy that you're suffering is the one that I just did, share those stories, share those stories. If doing not have those stories, make them up. Anybody gonna know you made it up, right? <laughs> you know, I, just, but share them, right? Find something to be happy about, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and really embrace them, right? You know, tell, tell those stories, share those memories, um, uh, pass down that knowledge, um, you know, and, and really lean into and, and embrace the fact that that this person um, 
is is no longer with you and then ask yourself what would they want me to do right now i, I know for a fact 100 percent, my dad would not want me to be sitting around crying over the fact that he's no longer here right my dad would be asking me are you feeding children meals are you trying your best to make sure that these kids are still getting their mentoring services are you doing your best to make sure that the education that these kids are getting is still uh, a decent education are you uh, uh volunteering in this particular organization right all of these things is what my father would be asking me am i doing right and so now in his in his passing that's what i'm trying my best to do to continue to do right um is to live life the way he would have lived it so if you're going through a, a difficult time you're in a grieving process right now fully embrace it lean into it don't run from the people who who want to be there for you that's that that's been my biggest thing right now um uh frat brother of mine just celebrated a birthday yesterday and uh we did a, a drive-by uh uh party for him so to speak right and he was on facetime with another frat brother of mine and he came out to the car and my frat brother looked on the, on the facetime and said man where you been and i've been trying to call you right and I've, I've been in a lot of instances now responsive to, to phone calls, to text messages, to different things of that nature. And once I started to actually embrace those calls, embrace those text messages, it did so much for me. But I was running from the feelings of what those conversations may bring, mm -hmm. not knowing that those conversations brought everything I needed to be okay. They mm -hmm. brought everything I needed, reassurance, encouragement, support, right? They brought everything I needed. So definitely don't run from those conversations have them. if you end up crying in the middle of the conversation cry tell him you got to call him back hang up call him back 10 minutes later you know what text back right have that conversation lean on those people right you, you don't have to be so strong that that you do this all on your own right um you know you have those people there those people who want to support you those people who want to love you those people who want to encourage you embrace you empower you take advantage of it take advantage of it this is the perfect time to take advantage of it, right? This is that's that's so good, Ryan. Um, um, we were at the top of at the top of all this happening as a team. We were differentiating like social distancing from just like right. physical distancing, and that we should still like maintain connection. Right. Um, and I think that is so key, um, especially I I I can imagine so, especially while grieving. Um, and while we all just experience, like, what is, what is the reality? We about to wrap up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's anything that you want to share about your experience, your story, um, your reality that you haven't shared already. Um, man, uh, so I kind of shared this, uh, but I'll share it again. Um. So I, 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 it hasn't been shared frequently, um, but, and I guess I just shared it with you earlier on this call, actually, um, uh, and this is this can also be used for, for other people, I think, but um, don't wait until you're 31 to realize that your identity in a lot of ways is wrapped up in somebody else, mm -hmm. right? And not in a negative way my father was a great man right um my father was a great man who i love admire respect cherish and and 
if I could become half the man he was, then half the father he was, half the educator he was, half the activist he was, right? Um, I think I would have done something great with my life. However, I would have made a more concerted effort to to to, to root those things in myself, right? Um, to those characteristics of him to root those in myself, right? And so I think that what I'll share is that um, I, don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am, right? Um, again, I know what I do, but my story as an educator, my story as a father, my story as a son, my story as a brother, my story as a friend, um, you know, I'm, lear I'm learning what kind of friend, I'm really learning now in this moment what kind of friend I am to people, right? Um, you know, and all of these different things, you know, I, I really don't know who I am. And anybody who knows me knows that I think I know everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to be at a place right now where it's like, man, I don't, I don't know anything about anything, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, been, been different. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in in real like everyday life fashion. Um, no, embrace it. it. Embrace it. <laughs> My child is knocking on the door, and that's cool because we're about to wrap up this anyway. Um, Ryan, it has been wonderful connecting with you and same as a way to, again, just amplify different experiences during a global pandemic. Folks, we'll drop everything um, in the comments. <laughs> this is real life. We'll drop everything in the comments, all the links, and how to um, get in contact with Ryan. As a matter of fact, Ryan, you wanna just share how folks can get in contact with you yeah uh uh you guys can find me on on facebook ryan anthony bell or at uh the black father family on facebook at um the black father family on instagram uh or you can email me at the bell effect info at gmail.com all right and you can obviously follow ryan too in the rest of his posts um on the um on inclusion solution yeah. Thank you so much. All right, have a good one. <laughs>